Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. Freedom's Rising, episode number 19, today on this June 30th, 2022. You're participating in the rise of freedom, where here on the show, through our transformative and mind-blowing information, we are freeing more minds with Freedom's Rising. Of course... Freedom's Rising has been a a project in the works now for some time in the human endeavor, and it keeps getting squashed, keeps getting thwarted, and we need to know why, what's going on, why aren't we thriving as we could, why is the species seemingly suffering in many ways uh, unnecessarily, and we have to take an honest assessment and view and look of freedoms rising. So today we'll be getting more into that. We'll be covering and going over part three now of falling into movement traps in the struggle for freedom, a presentation I provided in September 22nd of 2019 in a live stream from the original falling into the movement traps series, which were really just doing a continuation of here as a subsection of Freedom's Rising, because it definitely falls in line and relates. And uh, sort of the subtopic of that right now that we're talking about is the struggle for freedom. And, uh, you know, some of the outline that we're covering has been covered already, and we're going to be adding some things in. Um, for now, we're really still just kind of spinning up our wheels with this presentation, with this information. We've been talking about people's ability or inability to seek truth or accept truth or have an open mind. Even though lots of people say, you know, like, well, I'm open-minded to that. It's That's similar to how we have diversity, right, and equality, these terms, people throw these around, same with open-mindedness, right? It's it's diversity, unless you don't agree with us, and then, you know, then that's not okay. <laughs> and if you hold a different opinion, then that's not okay either. So, you know, in the I've seen this in the workplace, right? Diversity in the workplace. But then, oh, unless you somehow think that you're not going to follow along with the agenda, I mean, then it's not diversity. And, you you know, you're not going to, you're not going to support Ukraine, you're not going to support, and and you don't think that Putin's a big, bad, evil, awful guy? Well, I think that our media manipulates us and gets us, they attempt to use, you know, their propaganda to have us, you know, go along with some agenda. And if and if you if you don't realize that yet, then obviously you know you haven't been paying attention, or you don't want to know. But the 
the apathy is is overwhelming anyhow i mean people will even say just like i'm open-minded like yeah i know the media is you know propaganda or they they realize they're they may be being uh, coerced and manipulated or not coerced but you know manipulated in a big way by the mainstream media but they'll still believe it though and they'll still oh but now that there's this new thing happening i guess they're telling me the truth right even like like it's trusting known liars who've been known to lie over and over in the past and then going yeah but this time you know that this is important and they're telling us the truth i guarantee that that we're not getting the accurate assessment of what's been going on with ukraine and russia I'm not trying to justify either side, but I mean, it's just where people's attention is at is is what is astonishing. We've got what we covered in the bio psy war uh, with, you know, essentially showing how things line up to where this COVID-19 narrative was actually a, a gain of function biological weapon created by the U.S. government created by British government, you know, deployed on the American people, including the American people and the whole world, and done in a way to promote this dominance over people, right? It was done in a way to deploy a psychological weapon across the whole globe, along with a biological agent that can then be used to continue down the road of totalitarianism, domination, and control with the technocratic dictatorship, right? And so, is freedom really rising? No, it's not really rising. That's, that's, that's sort of the haha of this show, right? Freedom is, is not rising because people are exiting the cities and building new systems of agorism and you know, these concepts that people have in their minds that this, in their little clique, freedom is really rising and consciousness is rising because, you know, they've got something figured out with, and them and their friends and their community is building this uh, new way to live and exit the system and build a new. Now, while I'm sitting there being negative and people are that are in those groups and that I'm friends with are like, fuck you, man. Like, you're an asshole saying that stuff. Well, I'm not disagreeing with your actions. I think that this is the right thing to do. That, yes, we need to get back to the land in a way, right? And not like we need to abandon all modern technology. But in a way get back to what's real. Get Getting back to real foods. You know, not artificial, highly processed, uh, non-nutritious, actually anti-nutritious foods. And a big way we can do that is take responsibility for that ourselves, right? And to do that, you, you can't really be in the middle of the city. I mean, of course you can, and there are ways to, you know, have a garden in the city and things like that. But if you want to do that in a real way, the way to do that is not right in the middle of a huge big city, right? with your like tiny little terrace or patio that you're going to grow a few tomato plants on. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. The point I'm really trying to make though, and why I'm picking on that sort of mentality is because a right now we see a lot of it. And I think people need to tap the brakes on some of the things that they think are 
making this massive difference in the world by sort of just doing what people should be doing and really honestly assess where the bulk of humanity is at and then assess where the real work in most affecting change in humanity would be to put themselves forward as. And, you know, we've got a small audience here and I'm not perhaps penetrating the cabinet and being, <laughs> I just love that term from Klaus Schwab, where we need to penetrate the cabinets so the people will eat the bugs. <laughs> Penetration into the world is what the mail is about. I love this new hybridization of technocracy and my evil agenda. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's an oversimplification. Some of the, the recent work we did on the World Economic Forum and the global young leaders and the, the CIA connections with Kissinger, right? We're not just saying like, oh yeah, it's all the CIA and that's it. That's not, and it was Johnny Vedmore's article and the Greg Reese video that summarized Johnny Vedmore's article that did sort of insinuate that this oversimplification uh, of the grand chessboard, right? As another, Zbigniew Brzezinski, probably don't even say his name right, but, uh, you know, so it's not as simple a lot in a lot of cases. Again, it's not just the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and the central bank. And the, as long as you have the mythology all down, but what is this real solution then Tyler? You know, I mean, here I am just kind of sort of being silly this morning, kicking off the show. Uh, but I think honestly assessing the situation, like I said, why isn't freedom really rising the truth of our situation? Uh, and, but then does that make what I'm doing a fool's errand? Does freedom need supporters, backers, cheerleaders? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it does. And I think we have a lot of work to do. And if I can be one voice in that work to put forth the effort to spend the time over a long haul of time to try to help people, you know, understand the conditions of our reality better and how to get out of this upcoming, you know, deep dive into the technocratic domination dictatorship that we're all going to live under, regardless of if you've exited and builded it, if the, if the, if the, you know, what's that, the backdraft is large enough in the room or, you know, the, in the analogy, you can't escape it essentially is what I'm trying to get at. You can't, you're not going to escape what's coming by retreating. And I know, I know people are like, I'm not retreating. I am doing what needs to be done to, to, to work on this and escape this. Right. But we do need to recognize that unless we are able to start to convince others that, you know, this blind belief in the state or the blind belief in the media or even worshiping man's laws, putting them up above the laws of God, the laws of nature, the law, laws of the universe, right? It's all, all one thing here, which we do have examples of ways to do this. There are ways to not put man's law above the laws of nature, the laws of the universe. 
the laws of morality, right? There is a way to live more in accordance with that. We're not ever going to be perfect beings. We're not striving per- for perfection, right? And some people, you know, what is the goal then, really? And I, for me, the goal is to is a moral responsibility that I feel to sit and put this information out, whether there's one listener, whether there's uh, 5 million listeners across the world, whether we're on some giant platform and working with my favorite content creators, or whether it's just me waking up in the morning and coming in and doing the podcast and doing, you know, four to five hours a week of work that I feel is important to put out there. And if it needs to be reformatted and redone and rethought over, and I need to correct things, then I'll continue to do that. But and and that's because, you know, we're not in a situation where everything's fine and dandy and everybody in the world can just do what they please as long as you're leaving me alone, I'll leave you alone and it's all good, right? No, that's not the situation. We're in a the house is on fire, right? And if you're just sitting in the living room hanging out downstairs and you know, you and a group of friends and you're aware that the house is on fire and that everybody's in extreme danger because of this situation and they're not quite aware yet. Should you just let things be at that point? Should you just let the situation be as it is and not do anything? I don't want to cause any waves. I don't want to rock the boat, right? No. And if you do do that, then you're morally culpable for what occurs to those people, right? So that's sort of an understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing here. Not sort of, that is a good understanding of why I'm spending the time to try to put out this information. And again, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or like, I'm so awesome. It's just, it's pretty simple, actually. It's like, here's the situation. Here's what you can do. Are you going to do it? And again, I think part of the problem here is that we're in this battle And most people's answer to that question is, uh, somebody else is going to do it. I mean, we're good. Like we have the police, the military, the government, we have the, you know, these systems in place, like everything's fine. What are you, this, like you're, you're being, you're you're overreacting, right? Well, like, it's like the peaceful, but mostly fiery protest, (laughs) you know, like you're saying two things at once, man. Like you're, you're ignoring the situation as it really is and you're, lying to yourself, you're being dishonest to yourself, you're, again, intentionally hiding from facts about the current conditions of humanity, right? And you're you're a selfish little coward that loves to just, you know, have their immediate pleasure principles stimulated, you know, get that paycheck, get that Netflix movie, go on that little vacation, you know, take that trip, save a little on your taxes here, get that tax return, get that raise at work, right? These are the the primary focuses. It's not, you know, hey, we've been lied to here by this thing that I believe in, this, this entity, you know, the, whether it's the federal government, whether, I mean, we're in a corporate fascist dictatorship technocracy oligarchy at the moment. So it's not as simple, but in most people's minds, like they think that the thing we are as United States citizens is, uh, you know, this federal government thing, this United States system. And, and so since that's how they see the world, 
they're simply ignoring parts of history that have gone on with that entity, you know, and and then will willingly send their children off and willingly worship and stand up at the at the flag, you know, and all this stuff and let their children again be indoctrinated by the system while at the same time selfishly just, you know, seeking out their own desires and own their own little family, their own little freedom thing that they have and the freedoms that they think they have and are selfishly, you know, ignoring any problems that potentially could be there because that is selfish and it's immoral and it's wrong. It's all, which are all the same. (laughs) I mean, not that being selfish is immoral. That's not the point. It's not like, you know, having a sense of self-worth or even taking care of the things that you need to take care of for yourself or even being super uber successful as a person who's then able, you know, hopefully to give a lot back in a big way after they've become successful, they should hopefully then be able to give back, you know, most, if not a lot, not like they should just give everything away, but I think that that is a, a goal in life to become super abundant and producing, overly producing, to be able to then give back and give more than you've received. And that's, that's sort of a, you could say a masculine trait, like men and should be producing and creating revenue streams, income streams, production streams, theme, things that are producing abundance so that we have an overwhelming amount of abundance in our communities and in our friendship circles and then in the larger community and be able to give back in a big way, right? But, you know, that's that's sort of getting off topic here. It's not like there aren't people donating. It's not like there aren't well, wealthy people that donate and, you know, give back. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm sort of saying that if the core is rotten, the bottom of the platform is completely dissolved and gone to, you know, be, you know, not stable anymore, then it's our responsibility to address that. And if we're just going to continue to ignore it, then we can enjoy, you know, our chains. We can enjoy being enslaved in the future and watching our children and grandchildren going into that highly technical, you know, highly developed and unseen cage in most people, like the Matrix, the movie, like they'll be completely enslaved and not even know it, right? That's how, that's the analogy there. And what are they enslaved by? They're enslaved by a legal matrix, it's the another presentation we did once was called the secondary matrix. And it's when you can sort of the secondary matrix was when you're able to see the legal matrix, when you're able to see the corporate fiction, when you're able to see man's law as this legal fiction that is built and causes people to become enslaved to it and to the ideas of it and mentally enslaved by it. And then you know, physically and literally being abused and enslaved by the system. That yes, they can voluntarily exit, but it doesn't mean that it's not our duty, those who are voluntarily in the process of exiting, to then turn around and help the others see that are still completely enslaved, 
to exit. And that can be very painful. And that's why it was called the secondary matrix, because you're outside of the primary matrix, you know, mentally, right, spiritually, you understand that no one can actually truly uh, give ownership of themselves to someone else like that and ha and make that claim of ownership true. And also that they don't have the right to do that to others. And that there are ways of living in the world that are not where you're not someone else's slave and that we can work to be there and we can create those conditions for other people as well. But the first slide in today's presentation, so you know, that's a, a quick summary of where we've been at in Freedom's Rising, and that freedom is not a festival or a conference. It's not a movement or a political or economic solution, solution right? It's not your gurus and your cults. And, uh, you know, just, just to set the tone that, you know, I'm not over here blindly thinking that we're in some giant consciousness shift towards the better and that people are really, really waking up, man. And, it, you know, it's all happening and it, we're in a giant, beautiful uh, move towards love and freedom and truth and justice. And then we're also, while simultaneously recognizing that we're critiquing activism and we're critiquing the movements and we're critiquing the freedom movements and we're talking about and reviewing Fire in the Minds of Men and Dostoevsky, right? And looking at problems with movements in the past and the French Revolution and the, the European revolutions in the 16th, 17th, 1800s, uh, the revolutionary uh, par Paris movements. And uh, we'll be getting into and probably reading from that book that I mentioned, Fire in the Minds of Men by James H. Billington, and as well as some other material that we'll bring up to, to help substitute, you know, our theory that we're putting forward here that um, we've got some problems. We've got problems in the freedom movements. We've got problems in movements in general and groupthink and the problem with crowdocracy, as I've called it before, not democracy, right? It's crowdocracy. But we'll start out with a quote here on slide number nine in the presentation called Jadu, or <laughs> called from Jadu Krishnamurti. And the image is a, a lion who's got chains around his paws and he's struggling to get out of that situation, but it doesn't look like he's the lion will be successful. I mean, this giant chain has got this lion. So that's sort of representing our struggle for freedom. And I think that image is from some famous statue somewhere. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. But just to give you an idea of the image on the slide, and it says here from Jadu, you have been overcome. And whether you are overcome by envy or by so-called noble influence, you are still a slave, and you are not free. Noble influence, you know, flattering titles, your own delusion, right? Not recognizing the situation as it really is, thus still being a total slave, Um, and not recognizing the lack of freedom there, right? 
And I've summarized this in the struggle for freedom in the next slide, number 10. The path to effectively addressing the causal factors which create our reality is almost completely lost. And if we are honest with ourselves about the current human condition, we can summarize that the struggle for freedom is failing. The cybernetic, technocratic, or Luciferian death cult elite, and then I put in parentheses, or whatever you prefer to call it, (laughs) are having their way with humanity. So again, if we are honest in our assessment, if we've done the investigation, if we're not just, you know, continuing to hold our childish belief systems, our indoctrinated, unquestioned, uncritically examined pre-assumptions and base assumptions and worldview paradigm has been not challenged, right? We're not challenging that. We're not critically assessing it. And so since we're still, if we're being honest with ourselves, we have people that are walking around as basically grown-up children who haven't done the proper investigation to know that what I, the slide here in the assessment is currently the case, right? That we are not in a, a evolutionary progress towards, uh, you know, the betterment of humanity and some sort of like egalitarian, you know, utopia. Not that that's exactly the aim, right? And utopias tend to crumble into people being buried in ditches, you know, shortly after being executed. The ideas uh, that people put forward and, you know, the, the sort of, but what I see that as is a sort of flailing about, a flailing about uh, towards wanting to, you know, radically overhaul these evil monarchical systems or these, you know, kings and queens that lord, lord it over the land. At least this is sort of the mythology that we've been given around the revolutions, right? And the toppling of hierarchies in the past. And the reason why I call it a mythology in a way is because we still largely, you know, hold a lot of the beliefs that and this sort of uh, patriot mythology and the things that were discussed and laid out and proceeded with around the time of the American Revolution. Still, you know, we have a lot of the the French Revolution rhetoric and even looking at things like anarchism, which came out around that time in the French Revolution and some of the first so-called anarchists like William Godwin, which we'll get into uh, later. Let's see if I can pull something up really quick. I have the founder of anarchism, um, who was also an atheist, Pierre Joseph Prodhorm and William Godwin. Uh, William Godwin, the so-called founder of anarchism. And this is more political anarchism, right? This isn't necessarily like the true meaning of having no masters and no slaves and the true definition necessarily even. This is just talking about the political movement of anarchism. Um, when William Godwin, born March 3rd, 1756, in uh, Cambridgeshire, England, died 7th of 1836 in London, was a social philosopher, political journalist, journalist and religious dissenter. 
who anticipated the English Romantic literary movement with his writing, with his writings advancing atheism, anarchism, and personal freedom. Godwin's idealistic liberalism was based on a principle of absolute sovereignty and a, com a, a competence and reason to determine right choice. An optimist regarding man's future perfectibility, he combined cultural determinism with a doctrine of extreme individualism. The object, the object of his principal work, an inquiry concerning political justice and its influence on general virtue and happiness in 1793, was to reject conventional government by demonstrating the corrupting evil and tyranny inherent in its power of manipulation. He proposed in its place small self-subsiding communities. He argued that social institutions fail because they impose on man's generalized thoughts, categories, and preconceived ideas, which make it impossible to see things as they are. Reading still here from the Britannica on William Godwin, it has been claimed that Godwin's work laid the foundations for the mutually contradictory doctrines of communism and anarchy. In fact, their germ, though undeveloped, is to be found in two separate elements in his thinking. He advocated neither the abolition nor, quote, communalization, unquote, of property. Property was also to be held, a sacred trust, at the disposal of him who need to be whose need was greatest. Yeah, what does that sound like? His most powerful personal belief was that, quote, everything understood by the term cooperation is in some sense an evil, unquote, from which he proceeded his most influential anarchic doctrines. Among his other writings are The Inquiry of, ni of 1797, a collection of... S okay, so it goes into some other work. Um, but, right, so... I guess it was Pierre Joseph Prodhorn or Prodhorn that was declared that was first self-declared an anarchist and William Godwin was known as the first modern proponent of anarchism. And that's some of the one quote I have here from William Godwin says God himself has no right to be a tyrant. And so it was it was this philosophy against the religions of the time that the, the centralized church and even the belief in God and more of a leaning towards atheism, right? So I've, I've critiqued this in the past that anarchism itself can be skewed and perhaps misunderstood, right? It doesn't mean that they have William Godwin and Prodhorn understand the real philosophical underpinnings of anarchism, right? But they, they, they did maybe then corrupt, corrupt it, corrupt the ideas surrounding anarchism, which is why we have the current understanding in our modern modern colloquial language is anarchism is chaos and anarchism is right no rulers and no masters but also no rules right it's just chaos and that's not nowhere in anarchism the real definition of the word which is you know no ruler no master that nothing in that says no rules or no god necessarily right it's talking about in men, on men, on earth. And, you know, we do accept, at least I accept, and from 
the understanding being put forward here is that that is the one ruler that we need to worship is nature, is God, is the universe and reality, and not artificial things, not the artifices of man, not the fake legal matrix of man's, you know, whims and whatever the the social norm is of the time, but rather observing and enacting the moral laws of the universe in our own lives and how we live our lives. That's how we become unslaved. And then we become teachers of that to help others become unslaved as well. Right? So there, there's contradictions in these statements being made by Prodhorn, by Godwin, and in the way that they looked at anarchism. But in a way, if you look at it from their perspective, the real anarchists then, if if they're claiming that, you know, it's a rebellion against God himself, who has no right to be a tyrant, uh, which is what William Godwin put forward, then the real anarchists in that way are, is government then, the lawless, right? The ones who hold to no law, who ha- who don't live under any law, who make up the laws themselves, you know, so it's a, I think that the real, true, no masters, no slaves, doesn't mean there are no rules, you know, freedom under natural law, anarchy under natural law, anarchy under the laws of nature, this, and, you know, being an internal monarch with external anarchy, right? So you, you are the ruler in commune with the creator, in alignment with the creator. It's not just you. You're the ruler of the universe. You're the one who's in charge and gets to see how it is. That's not that's not what's being said. But it's a, also a recognition of as above, so below, that we are connected to that creative force in the universe, and we can align our will and behaviors with it. Okay, so since we've gotten two, two slides in, let's continue on here. Well, we're about halfway through what we're planning to go through as far as time on this episode. Uh, but yeah, some of those I did was able to find some older notes that I have. And as we get more into anarchy, as we cover that term more in the future, we'll, we'll have more to say on that. But we'll, again, for now, proceed through with the planned slide presentation. And I, I have another quote from just myself here that says, even though we have been systematically dumbed down, indoctrinated, held in a state of constant duress, and basically retarded from reaching our true potentials and full spiritual capacity to act as agents for prosperity and truth, there is still an angst and desire to fix the human condition that is, as it currently is or has been in the recent past. Talk about a run-on sentence there. So, the fire hasn't been completely extinguished. And we're not talking about the horrible fire that <clears throat> burns down the cities and, you know, injures a lot of people, but the, the tamed, fiery, you know, power in humans that can be kept alive and just as something being held under the water that's buoyant will eventually, you know, once it can shake loose, pop up to the top, I feel like that desire to rise to the top, 
to overcome our current conditions and our 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 sort of to overcome the current problematic behaviors in human beings that are causing us suffering to ourselves we're causing this ourselves to ourselves that there's a desire to really fix that and that hasn't been completely extinguished it doesn't mean that we're on the right track and we're winning and hey everybody can sit back and relax because we're all good but that there's still this struggle right the struggle for freedom so on the next slide number 12 here i have a quote from the Etienne de la Boiteur. The politics of obedience, the discourse of voluntary servitude, from that book on pages 60 and 61. Not Mr. Etienne de la Boiteur II, not the modern Etienne de la Boiteur, the one who took this man's name, and I'm always suspicious when people do that, but, uh, you know... Tyler Bloyer is my name, and that's the name that I use, even if it is a, you know, given to me by my legal matrix r rulers, by Agent Smith. <laughs> it's still... Okay, going back to the quote from Etienne de la Boite. says, One never pines for what he has never known. Longing comes only after enjoyment and constitutes amidst the experience of sorrow the memory of past joy. It is truly the nature of man to be free and to wish to be so, yet his character is such that he instinctively follows the tendencies that his training gives him. Right? Cutting to, back to me here, that indoctrinated, non-critically assessed belief system that's still held right is the is what yet his character is such that instinctively follows the tendencies that his training gives him moving on with the quote from the book let us therefore admit that all those things to which he is trained and accustomed seem natural to man and that only that is truly native to him which he receives with his primitive untrained individuality Thus, custom becomes the first reason for voluntary servitude. Men are like handsome racehorses who first bite the bit and later like it, and rearing under the saddle while soon, will soon, I think I have a typo here, willing under the saddle and while soon will learn to enjoy displaying their harnesses and prance proudly beneath their trappings. So, because of custom, right, and unquestioned indoctrinated belief systems and just sort of going along with how things are, you may, you know, have a somewhat of a rebellion and a distaste for that at some point in your life and try to, you know, get away from that. But really, eventually, you'll be proudly displaying, displaying your flattering titles, proudly, you know, participating with your uh, vaccine passport and your social credit score and proudly w prancing into the Walmart, uh, with your, with your, like, m neutered, uh, sterilized, uh, genderless group of friends with no children, because we don't need that in the future, right? The state and the centralized control system will take care of all the breeding of the select few, 
that they'd like to, and everyone will happily prance around with their ability to to go into the live. They probably live in the Walmart, and they they live in the Disneyland because they're they're like giant children who have been uh, made into childish adults who still love and worship Disney characters, and they they wanted to become one one day. <laughs> No, I'm just I'm just projecting out a little bit, maybe five, ten years into the future of where we're headed here, and those people will be proudly happy, and they will not even understand what sort of non-human, completely freak of nature, uh, anti-freedom type of person there and life that they have. They won't even realize it. They won't even know. It'll be about their p- pleasure principle being served and the bread and circuses. And maybe some fear porn mixed in, you know, you got to have a Russia or something. You'll have to have an enemy of some sort. Uh, Moving on, more Etienne de la Boite. And this is also from pages 60 and 61 from the Discourse of Voluntary Servitude. Similarly, men will grow accustomed to the idea that they have always been in subjection, that their fathers lived in the same way. They will think they are obligated to suffer this evil and will persuade themselves by example and imitations of others, finally investing those, uh, sorry, let me start that over, finally investing those who order them around with propriety rights, proprietary rights, based on the idea that this has always been that way. So again, it's just you're obligated to live this way because, hey, your father lived this way, your father was a soldier, right? Or your father was was a police officer or your father was a big Democrat or, and even if you're like, well, I'm going to be a Republican or I'm going to be, you know, a political activist of some sort and you're really just still um, you know, was reading that part with the proprietary rights. I think what he's what he's getting at there is there are people who claim that their rights are original to them and that they're not granted to everybody, that they're superior. You know, they're the all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. <laughs> and the, the except for the pigs are above the other animals, right? But all animals are equal. George Orwellian uh Eric Blair I think his pen name, or again, someone else flying under a, a fake name. Uh, Animal Farm, right? But we just believe that this is true. We believe that the government just creates right and wrong. They create our rights. They create the difference between what we can do with our behaviors and what we can't do. They control where we can go and what sort of medications that we need and where we can be employed based on this information. And they they have those rights, you know. They're the central control. They're the benevolent ones. They're the ones who've got the all the things figured out, right? Like like Godwin was putting forth these these beautiful groups of people in the middle that will always have the best interest of humanity at in in mind. And uh through this communist dictatorship, we will decide and figure out the best way for humanity to live and proceed. So, more Etienne de la Boite. I think this is all a continuation from the same section of the book. The 
Politics of Obedience, the Discourse of Voluntary Servitude. It says, There has always been a few, better endowed than others, who feel the weight of the yoke and cannot restrain themselves from attempting to shake it off. These are the men who never become tamed tamed under subjection and who always, like Ulysses, on the land and sea, constantly seeking the smoke of his chimney, cannot prevent themselves from peering about for their natural privileges and from remembering their ancestors and their former ways. These are, in fact, the men who, possessed of clear minds and far-sighted spirit, are not satisfied, like the brutus masses, to see only what is at their feet, but rather look about them behind and before, and even recall the things of the past in order to judge those of the future, and compare both with their present condition. These are the ones who, having good minds of their own, have further trained them by study and learning, even if liberty had entirely perished from the earth, such men would invent it. For them, slavery has no satisfaction, no matter how well disguised. So, a good summary there in those last three, uh, four slides from Mr. Labote, Labotai. And if you haven't read a discourse on voluntary servitude, I would recommend that read. It's got brilliant insight from Mr. Labote, and you know, is extremely critical, obviously, of the masses, right? The the group and the mass of his time, but then also recognizing that there is sort of a natural inherent tendency in human beings who haven't been completely broken and completely, you know, broken in to be, uh, you know, trancing around with their saddle happy and proudly, you know, displaying their ropes and chains. But for some men, slavery has no satisfaction, no matter how well disguised. And again, men is a summary of human. We're including... We're being inclusive here, okay? Trying to be like uh, Lynn de Rothschild and Klaus Schwab and create an inclusive capitalism (laughs) with the stakeholders at the central control so we can grow the bugs. Speaking of bugs, I have in the next slide is in the struggle for freedom, there's this spider, right? The, The spider is sort of representing you know, technocracy here, or the current uh, neo-communist New World Order dictatorship. And in that spider, he's got a web there, and there's a fly, right? And the analogy here, the reason for this slide, is that that fly, if he just flails about and struggles about and, you know, moves really quickly, making rapid movements in this web... What is that going to do with the spider on the web? That's going to attract it, right? So the spider who's already, or the fly in this slide, in the picture, if you can just picture in your mind, a fly, you know, just freshly sort of falling into this web. And there's a spider. The spider's not yet aware of the fly being there. But if the fly starts to struggle and flail everywhere, and I mean, he's going to get, A, probably caught up more in the web, 
and and more draw attention to himself to the from the spider. So it's just an idea of you know, be careful how we proceed, right? We have to we have to be cautious of which parts of this web that we try to cut out and slyly remove, you know, without alerting the spiders that this is what the plan is, this is our goal. Now, are they they them those that won't leave us alone the T3 as Ernie Hancock tries to put it or does put it uh the the T3 they them those whenever he says they people are like well who's they you know and it's like you know those people that just won't leave us alone you know they we're just trying to be free and be left alone we just want to take responsibility for our own lives and make decisions for ourselves and there's these people that just will never stop trying to get you to do and go along with the group and even the group themselves become this figure, right? The, and as the Boite was noticing there was the group and the traditions and the family and the upbringing is what will bring you, you know, that's what is going to keep you in that slave system. It's not necessarily that there's this, there's always this central control system with a grand wizard at the top. Who's manipulating your every mind and opinion. Like, no, they understand the group psychology. They understand the consensus trance. They understand how to manipulate things on a larger level than that so that you'll, you'll enslave yourself. You'll make yourself a slave because of the conditions and the way they are and the, and the apathy and the ignorance and the cowardice that have been, you know, brought out on display for us to all you know, brilliantly look at our huge apathetic mess that has been created, you know, and, and continue watching the ball games, continue participating in the bullshit politics and the bullshit entertainment and the bread and circuses, right? Versus like actually doing something to get off your ass and get involved and help the situation, right? Well, with the slide, with the fly, we need to, we do need to be careful how we do that. We don't just want to go you know, accidentally burning down the whole house because we've become enlightened in this way or, you know, ruin our lives or abandon ship in a way that disrupts things in our own lives in such a way that we can't, you know, take care of ourselves or have the ability to have a stable environment to, you know, do more work on yourself, to invest in yourself, to invest in your mind, to take the peaceful time and kindness, care and attention to grow and learn and change yourself for the better, right? So that you're not just continuing the problem. And I'm just looking ahead a little on the slides to see how much further we want to go into that today. We've got quite a few to go through. I think I would like to read this last slide here, slide number 16. And for the struggle for freedom and where at the end of the struggle for freedom, we might take a slight variation onto other topics in the same vein, but outside of the falling into the movement traps. But there are like 32 slides in this deck, just to give you an idea. And we're on 16 for this and we're now on part three. So that's the pace currently, but it's including tangents and rants and you know, looking and reading William Godwin's Encyclia Britannica entry. <laughs> and also just the, the brain farts and rants and things that I go on when it's, 
you know, most people are are still in bed while I'm recording this podcast. So the emotionally mutilated, uh, sorry, let me start over. This is from Michael Tessarion and his article, An Address to the Dead. And I would highly recommend Michael's articles. Uh, I know there's sort of this schism in the community about Michael and and some people in the quote-unquote community are like, oh, he's a statist because he he did some critiquing on anarchy and he's all just about psychology and he's not, you know, like those are, those are bullshit arguments, A, because you're not allowing yourself to see that there is critiques of the word anarchy that need to be put out. So you're aware of it so that when people come to you with their bullshit, you can, you know, have a way of getting around that instead of them just feeling like they've, they've won up to you because they said anarchy was chaos. And you, you just have this simple, no, it's not that, it's this. And you don't even understand why they would say that or have some kind of, you know, way to empathize. Or, oh, I see, you know, I could see how you came about that understanding because of A, B, C, D. And, you know, that's a lot more friendly way to have that conversation than just like, you're wrong and I'm right. You're not going to win that. But anyway, Michael Tessarion, an address to the dead, brilliant article. And I'm going to read it here. It says, the emotionally mutilated taught you to despise your need for the care they were incapable of imparting. You grew to hate your desires and needs. You displaced your your antipathy for these deceivers to wallow in self-hate. Then this hatred transformed into identification. You worship fools and liars, but despise yourself. Inwardly, you writhe in guilt and shame because you have negated your own selfish your own precious selfhood. After a lifetime of beating yourself over the head, you find that you have no love to give. You were not able to lose your own identity in mom and dad. So now you get a chance to do so with Big Daddy. And he's talking about there, this is Tyler now, out of the article, Big Daddy government, right? Big Daddy, Big Mommy government. And the and yes, it's more of a psychological take on what we've been talking about here, but that there's a problem that we need to also understand and address, and that's self-hate. That people truly don't respect and love themselves if they're allowing themselves to live a lie and live in an illusion. It doesn't mean that they don't have trappings of success. It doesn't mean that they don't they aren't rewarded physically in the world by you know, the slave system that they're so happily participating in. No, they'll be given shiny badges and rewards and plaques and papers and ceremonies, right? But if, but is that person a real self? Have they really become to be truly a good person? Are they a good person, right? Just because they have trappings of success in their lives. Are are they helping to fix the situation? Are they helping to raise consciousness in humanity? Are they helping in any real way, you know? Or are they just really running away from the truth, running away from their selves because this underlying self-hatred? Continuing with this excerpt from the article that I took and put in a slide. After a lifetime of beating yourself over the head, you find that you have no love to give and you were not able to lose yourself in your own identity in mom and dad, so you now get a chance to do so with Big Daddy. So I reread that part. 
But he won't give you love either, because he too is an apostle of death. He too has murdered himself and put power in the place of love. He's pumped up with each person or country he crushes and humiliates. And that was the excerpt from the article, Michael Tesserion, An Address to the Dead. And I think I should probably just take the time at some point and read the entire article into the record, or maybe some of the other works from Michael Tesserion, the articles that haven't necessarily been read, and just sort of amplify this great teacher, the uh, great truth seeker and great purveyor of knowledge, Michael Tesserion. If you're not aware of uh, his site is unslaved.com, where you do need to sign up to become a member of that. Uh, on YouTube, you can find Michael Tesserion interviews out there, a channel that he puts out his interviews, which I find pretty good. And I've been a member of Unslaved in the past. Something did happen with my membership when they transferred over their site. And I will eventually sign back up and then like binge watch all their recent material. Um, I just hadn't done that yet. But in the notes here, I'll put a link to Michael Tesserion's An Address to the Dead. And uh, you can find more of his work there by going through that. And any other links and show notes I put in, I take the time, you know, I don't always chalk every episode full of everything I talked about in that episode. But if it was important enough or something that I feel like we should go check out, people should go and actually take a second look at, I'll put it in the show notes underneath the show on tylerbloyer.com where you can find, you know, links to where all the videos are hosted. Currently, that would be like BitChute, Odyssey, the YouTube, Float, where I upload the audio files to and have those archived there as well as Rumble. And I, I signed up for Rumble because it was really just easy to have the videos synced over from YouTube. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have had the bandwidth right now to launch another video platform. But Rumble just pulls the videos over and then hosts them over there. So that's really easy. And it's a good alternative platform to get the information out. I, I don't think that everybody on there or that the people that even run or operate the platform are correct about everything or something like that in their phil philosophical worldview. But as far as I understand the technology of what Rumble's doing, they're a lot more future-proofed than things like maybe even Odyssey or BitChute, which could have issues in the future. Uh, but that's why we've also, we're putting our files on IPFS, the Interplanetary File System. This is a more of a peer-to-peer -peer file sharing, file seeding, uh, file hosting uh, service content hosting way to do it peer-to-peer -peer. and I pin those and I put them on a node and then I let that node run. Now if you understand IPFS that might mean that if you go click on an IPFS link on my site in an IPFS enabled browser it may not load because that file may not have seeded or synced across other peers in order to be available in your location and that doesn't mean that it won't be in the future though. So I've currently at least pinned it. I'm hosting it on my own node. I have a way to send that to Pinata, and Pinata is like an IPFS pinning service that I was using. And then my free tier account like got filled up, and then they changed the model of how they operate their business. And currently, I have an email sitting in my inbox from Pinata that wants me to go sign up for an account, which I think is going to you know cost some additional money. And 
there's things like that that come up when you're trying to make your content future-proofed and trying to just make the content available for people that are real costs. You know, I have another battle after I finish publishing the show today, I'll continue what I've done yesterday, a lot of hours yesterday spent moving stuff around off of where I was hosting it before to a CDN somewhere else that's cheaper because I'm running into bandwidth problems and that that could be a good thing. But I, th I think what it is, is I, I recently published my feed to iTunes. And I think really what's happening is like it, it's discovered or like, you know, people th see things and then they hit like download on the, the feed or something. And it goes and downloads past episodes because I, I don't think like some of this stuff is like really getting pounded. And I'm like, nobody, there's not like tons of people going back three years and listening to that same episode. It's more that the file size on that is large, and so there's a lot of bandwidth. Main point being here at the end of this episode number 19 today of Freedoms Rising, uh, part three of falling into the movement traps, is that to do this work, I, I put forward my own money, and I, I pay these costs to get the content out there, and I'm not like making all kinds of dough doing that at the moment. And that's not your problem, listener. That's not the person who's listening on the other end's problem. I need to come up with better ways and inroads and abilities for people to support the content. So at the top of my to-do list, besides fighting these battle issues and financial issues with keeping the content up and going and out there for people to, to be able to experience and get my content, even if, you know, something were to happen to me, I'd like to know that my content is going to last longer than I do, and that it's out there, and I don't, someone doesn't need to always sit and maintain it. And that's, that's the idea of using, you know, f five, six different video hosting, and then I'm on all the different podcast platforms, and the I've got local backups, and archived backups, and offsite backups, and all kinds of uh, ways to, in case the worst happens to keep things going. But I'm also going to be working on some merch. This isn't going to be happening overnight, but we'll have a store with a donation-based system where a gift that has nothing to do or doesn't have to have anything to do with a donation will be provided on based on my decisions and what that person might show interest in in the merch store to anyone who provides a donation of a certain amount. So this is one of the ways I've seen modeled in which we can start to live as more of a private person and not in our public uh, corporate citizenship, but more as private individuals who live under common law, who live under the laws of nature, who don't uh, use man's laws, corporate systems, and therefore aren't uh, subject to paying taxes on that money. And their system set up in a donation-based, non-obligatory gift basis where the donation is made and there is a gift received to the person who made that donation, but it's not necessarily obligatory. And it's not, you know, only because you've donated, you're getting this. It's because that could be a, a model set up that we use for in order for someone to get merch by making a donation, right? And by doing that, we can, you know, show people how as I've been shown how by other content creators and other people who understand this, how to do that, right? And so I need to walk the talk. And I've got some other things with Alt Eats that we're working on getting a store up for Cassandra as well. That That's going to be a, a different model, more in, in commerce for our 
Alt Eats, you know, health foods store and product line that we've been developing and creating. And, uh, you know, another way that we've been being entrepreneurs in our own lives to help the community and help other people learn through Cassandra's journey. And she's written another article today as well that you can find on Float uh, under her Go To Foods for Health, the number four and the number two. Go To Foods for Health at Float, you know, in the Float platform. And uh, that's Cassandra, who has put another article up yesterday talking about her journey uh, and a, a painful journey and also a, a beautiful story of growth and tremendous uh, courage that Cassandra has put forward and now is starting to write and also taking the courage to write it and put it out there on social media. And there's there's a few articles that she's put out on Float that I'm going to point to. And then later in the Freedoms Rising series, that when we, we get out of the falling into the movement traps and we are doing a, a show, you know, more on health and and the project of Alt Eats and Alt Life and Freedoms Rising in general, we'll be reading the articles from Cassandra's uh, recent publication. So you can find that as well. Anyway, thanks for tuning in today, everyone. I'm going to wrap the episode there. We're going to come back uh, next week and continue on with part four of falling into the movement traps here from Freedoms Rising. Now, the tool song that we started with and are exiting with here is called Fear Inoculum. I think a f- perfect song, a brilliant album, Fear Inoculum. And, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll address all the people that are going to go, Oh, but don't you know that tool is from L.A. and they use all these symbols in their in their concerts, they're probably in on the New World Order. These guys know what they're doing with the occult. They're occult. Yeah, I've heard all that shit and still really like Tool and like their music and like uh, Maynard and uh, I think Adam uh, Jones is brilliant. And I think that, you know, the creative work that they've put out there is unlike, you know, any other band out there. And then there's always going to be the people that say the stupid shit with really no evidence to back it up about the symbols and all can't you see that they're Thalamists, they're Alistair Crowleyans, they're Crowleyans. You know, with, with let, let's hear a good research on that. Let's hear someone who really goes in depth on it. I'm open to it. I still probably will like their music, but let, you know, I'd like to hear more if you have that. And uh, anyway, we'll exit with the fear inoculum song here and be back next week again talk to you guys later thanks
Thank <laughs> you.